At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Are you interested in black and white photography? We recently created a mini course for anyone who wants to take amazing black and white photographs both indoors and outdoors. It's essentially a crash course made up of 11 lessons that will introduce you to the genre, inspire you to try new things, and help you take amazing photographs, all within a short period of time. The current price is $19. We'll increase the price on January 1st, so make sure to take advantage of this amazing deal right now. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more. I look forward to helping you take your black and white photography skills to the next level. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with black and white photographer Cody Schultz. Cody decided a few years ago to primarily shoot in black and white and to sell all of his digital camera equipment, so now he's a full photographer and he does an absolutely wonderful job. So we talk about that transition, what inspired him to make it, the beauty of black and white photography, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Cody. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, so I am Cody Schultz. I am a black and white photographer based out of Pennsylvania in the United States. And primarily, I specialize in woodland photography, the more intimate side of things. I also do quite a bit of writing on the more philosophical and creative aspects of the artistic world. And I also have been running since May my own podcast called Creative Banter, which I'm sure we can get into a little bit later on. You've got a lot going on, lots of creative pursuits. It's really exciting. Yeah, not to mention that I'm also in my master's program at a local college that is going for my master's in English education. So my plate is very full recently. I can imagine. How do you juggle everything? It takes a lot of patience. <laughs> it's uh, 
it's definitely difficult, but it keeps my life interesting. So that's always good. Yeah, it's nice to have different interests and different projects because if you get bored or if you need a break from one project, then you can just move on to another one. As you said, it keeps your life exciting. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So you mentioned earlier that you specialize in black and white photography and you've been taking black and white photos exclusively since 2017. What prompted that decision? So when I first picked up the camera, I initially wanted to do a lot of portrait photography or like along the fashion kind of uh, schema. And I was inspired by a lot of the black and white photographers in that genre. And then I, like most other landscape photographers, when I start to go toward that genre, toward that route, I was really inspired by Edward Weston, by Ansel Adams, a lot of the old school, big name United States photographers who at the time were shooting primarily black and white. And so as a sort of New Year's resolution for 2017, I decided that I was going to try it out that I was going to give up color for the whole year of 2017 just as a one-year kind of challenge. Because in my photography, since I've started, especially with the landscape, I've always liked challenging myself because I feel it helps me to progress more as a both photographer and an individual. And so that was my big challenge was to shoot in black and white. And Surprisingly enough, it just really stuck. I just really felt a lot more connected to my work when uh, photographing in this way. And it has helped me to become the artist that I am today, as well as to challenge me in ways I would have never really thought of prior. That's incredibly interesting. And it's very healthy, I think, to challenge yourself in those ways, because as you said, it can teach you a lot about yourself and it can also motivate you and give you all kinds of original ideas. So do you shoot in black and white or do you convert your photos to black and white? So what I'm using now and since 2019, I have been exclusively large format film photography. So I'm using a, uh, a Chamonix 45 f2 which is a 4x5 film camera and uh, so i am exclusive black and white there's no color to any of my work throughout any of the process i remember having a conversation with somebody who uh, dabbled in black and white photography and she said that you need to be really good at pre-visualization you need to imagine what the scene will look like in black and white i imagine that's really difficult it's not an easy skill to achieve so what was it like for you to pre-visualize things once you initially got into black and white photography when i first got into it it was with digital which was really beneficial because i could just have my camera preview everything in black and white and so i could point it out a scene and see if that would actually work if the contrast and the separation and texture was there and was strong enough for a true black and white image to really be strong. But um, now that I'm working with film and I don't have that digital readout, I've found a couple different tricks. Like if you have um, a lot of film photographers will use colored filters. So like your yellow, your orange, your red, and I have a deep red filter. And I found that if I need help seeing if that separation is there, 
I can just hold that filter and look through it and I'll be able to see essentially a monochromatic scene in front of me. Your eye is obviously going to start to adjust after a couple minutes, so it has to be put it up to your eye, look through, see if it works, and put it down before your mind starts adjusting. But as a whole, that's a, a great little trick that I have found in recent years. But really, I've found that over the years, you really get to know how everything is going to react when you're converting to black and white. And that's definitely a very good trick. Thank you for sharing that. And so you said that you use a large format camera exclusively. And so that means that back in 2021, as you wrote in one of your blog posts, when you sold your digital camera equipment, you didn't buy anything else after that. You just exclusively switched to film. So that's another one of your challenges, right? Yeah, it definitely was. So I... The whole reason why I wanted to switch over to film in the first place was I was finding myself spending so much time in front of the computer. And in general, I'm not huge on technology as much as like the rest of my generation is. I'm not a part of social media as of a year or so ago. Um, I've kind of tried to spend more time out in nature than sitting in front of a computer at home. And so I decided to switch over to film, which has helped me to feel more connected to the process as a whole, as well as get away from that, um, the hundreds of photographs that I would take during a single trip versus now I take maybe three or four, if any at all. Wow, that's great. You've made lots of very healthy decisions for yourself. And I want to talk a little bit more about that later. But first, it's obviously not easy to take photos with a large format camera and you have to be conscious of the images that you take because it is quite expensive, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so what is that process like? If somebody knows nothing about large format photography, could you explain a little bit about that and what it means? So the biggest challenge with large format photography, not including the price of it because it is expensive. It's about $5 if you're processing at home and scanning at home per photograph that you take. So it can very quickly add up depending on uh, how you are used to photographing and how many photographs you're used to taking at a time. So almost automatically, because you have that in the back of your head that these aren't free photographs, so to speak, you need to really be thinking more deeply about what it is you are going to be composing, what it is that really draws you into the environment that you're in and what you connect with so strongly. And outside of that, you also have a very slowed down process. And you can't just pick up a large format camera and handhold it, take a photo and then walk away within a couple seconds like you can with a digital kit. So it becomes a very slow, methodical kind of process where you're, say for me, I'm walking through the woods a lot, so I'll be walking along a trail and maybe off a couple feet of the trail, I'll see a nice little composition that might work well for a photograph. And so I'll walk up to it and I'll, instead of even thinking about taking out my camera right away, I'll just look at the scene for a little bit and I will 
try and see if it is something that really does connect with me on a more personal, more meaningful, intrinsic kind of manner. And then at that point, I will take out the tripod and I'll set it up and I'll start to set up the large format camera, which is kind of like a lot of large format camera, or a lot of large format photographers kind of call it a dance because there's just a rhythm that you get into. You kind of get into your own little flow state wherein you're not really thinking much at all. You're just kind of letting your body do the motions as you need to. And it is something that, at least in my opinion, is so, it, it can't be achieved with a digital camera. You, there, you can't get that same kind of uh, process. And believe me, I have tried, but yeah. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. And so you're basically forced to be very present and to be very conscious of the shots that you take. And so, yeah, in your portfolio, probably you have a lot of images that you consciously took and I'm sure you're proud of each and every single one of them because they all look very beautiful together. Yeah, it definitely changes the way that you see the work that you create, the way that you see future potential works that you can create. It just, there's a, a very tangible kind of shift that you will begin to notice as you delve more into film photography as a whole, but also large format specifically. And how different is large format photography to other types of film photography uh, when it comes to developing film? Well, it's not really super different in terms of the actual development. The biggest benefit that you have with large format is each photograph is just a single sheet of film versus with medium format or 35 millimeter, you have rolls of film. And so what that allows you to do is you are able to process each individual large format sheet of film in a much different way than any of the others. So when it comes to developing, they have processes that are called like push or pull processes. And this either essentially adds contrast or takes away contrast from the image. It gets a little bit more complicated than that, but that's the general gist of it. And so by having just a single sheet, you can process that one sheet a very specific way and then the next sheet totally different. Whereas with when you have roll film, you really can't do that. The whole role has to be developed the same exact way. So it gives you a lot more play with your images, both while you're out in the field, you can be thinking about this, but also when you come back home and you decide to develop your film. Mm -hmm, very interesting. When I was looking through your photos, before I dove into your bio and I found out more about your blog posts, I thought that you sometimes use digital cameras to take photos because the way that you scan your prints, they look very professional and sharp. Do you have any tips for anyone who struggles with scanning prints? That has taken me quite a while to get uh, better results with. Um, right now I'm using an Epson V850 Pro Scanner with the 
I think it's Silverfast software that I'm using. And really, it's just a matter of playing with your settings, um, playing with the scanner itself, and just taking the time and having the patience to figure out what is going to give you the best results that you can get. If you want results even better and a step above, depending on how big you plan on printing or what you plan on doing with your images after they are scanned, you really can't beat a drum scanner. And while I don't do a lot of drum scanning with my images because I'm printing at smaller sizes, there are photographers like Ben Horn, who is uh, my co-host to my Creative Banter podcast. And he does drum scans for all of his work. And essentially a drum scan is just a super high resolution scan that really digital can't even touch right now with that, even with medium format uh, megapixels and the amount of detail that you get out of that scan. So it all kind of depends on what you plan on doing. So if you just plan on putting your work on social media, on your website, or doing small prints, getting a flatbed scanner, and really just learning the intricacies of that machine, you can go really far with it. But if you want the best of the best, then you're going to have to shell out some money and get drum scans, which can be quite expensive depending on who you're getting them from. It's fascinating. I've never heard of drum scans. And yeah, you have to consider your budget and also your ultimate goal as a photographer, whether you want to share things online or not. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I don't think we've dove, dove into this topic uh, in, in this podcast. So I'm glad that I had the chance to ask a professional about this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of Ben Horn and your podcast, which is called Creative Banter, I think it's always very interesting and eye-opening to talk with other photographers to hear their opinions and things, especially if they come from a different culture or if they specialize in a completely different genre. Is there a particular conversation with a photographer that changed the way that you look at your work? I wouldn't say it was a conversation directly with another photographer, but I'm sure anyone who knows my work, who listens to my podcast or reads my writing is getting sick of it at this point. Um, but I always mention Guy Tall. Guy is a Utah-based photographer, artist, writer, and he has a book titled More Than a Rock, which is the book that drastically changed my perception both on nature and on photography as a whole. And it's just really altered my path as a photographer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about Guy Tal. A lot of people mentioned him on the podcast, actually. So, yeah, it's very eye-opening when you see someone's work online or you read a book, especially if you read a book because you're basically in somebody else's mind and the way that they think about the world affects you. So, yeah, it's very interesting that that specific book helped you and I think it's an indirect way of speaking with someone if you read someone's book especially if it's another photographer's book you're indirectly speaking with them they can't hear you but you're definitely listening to their thoughts yeah I mean his his work also inspired the writings that I do both on my own website but also for other publications and 
it just it changed my way of thinking about photography kind of away from the act of photography itself and more towards the psychological the philosophical and creative reasoning behind what and why i'm doing what i'm doing it just like i said it just really altered how i think about photography and the world around me in drastic ways so it is a book that i will always highly recommend anyone pick up and read i'll leave a link to the book in the description if anyone's interested photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses articles video tutorials editing resources and much more we have a thriving community where you can meet new people receive constructive criticism and discover new ideas every single day here is a message from one of our top community members robert morton hi my name is rob i specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. But yeah, so you are a very thoughtful photographer. You take your time to think about the kinds of photos that you want to take. I'm sure that you weren't always like this. We always make progress and evolve as people, and especially in our creative pursuits. As I was reading your bio, I came across something interesting. You said that you started photography as a way to heal your wounded mental health. How much has photography helped you improve your mental health? It's been a back and forth battle. So when I picked up the my first DSLR camera, I was going through a lot uh, in terms of depression and anxiety, just in general, poor mental health. Um, it also didn't help that there were a lot of changes to going around in my life as a whole between um, I was moving to a new house, changing to a whole new school district. Uh, and all of the stuff that comes along with that. And so when I picked up the camera, I wanted some kind of creative outlet, some way of expressing myself. And over the years, it's definitely given me that. It's definitely helped me to kind of show the world, show myself even kind of the feelings and emotions that I am seeing in the world and how I view the world as a whole. But there's also been some detrimental side effects to it and that I've had to get through and push myself to uh, get out of again that hasn't necessarily helped me with my mental health. Um, namely, the business side of photography has always been a struggle for me. It is something that like many artists in the world is quite difficult to wrap my head around i don't have any kind of business degree i don't have any kind of business background and so trying to figure out how to market my work and make a living at this photography that i love so much becomes very difficult and so 
I remember a time back in 2019, I was doing a lot of little art or craft shows trying to make a go at this. And because I didn't really end up selling a ton, I was in a darker mental space than what I should have been or what I ever had been before regarding my photography. And I had to climb out of that and realize that I am doing photography because I love the act of photography. I love the creation process and all, not because I'm trying to make a ton of money off of this. If that happens, great. If it doesn't, I need to be okay with that. And so it has been a multi-year battle, so to speak. But as a whole, photography has definitely helped me more than it has ever really hurt me so to say that's a great answer i like that you focused on two on the positives and the negatives because the negative side of it is a reality for many people i can also relate to that i've gone through those very uncomfortable emotions (laughs) wishing that (laughs) people would notice my work or wishing that more people would buy my work and it's an important topic to discuss because uh somebody who's struggling with this hears someone else talking about something similar, then they'll feel less alone and perhaps they'll be able to get out of it in a healthier way. Perhaps um, I think when we come together and we share our struggles with one another, it makes it easier for us to uh, look at our emotions uh, and know that they're normal. And it's not like we're weird people. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something that I have really tried to double down on and just make sure that whenever I'm doing like podcast interviews like this or in my own podcast and my writings, just everything that I do, I try to really make it known that we need to be talking more about the mental health side of the artistic world because there's a lot of negativity that can happen because of how we approach certain things. There's also a lot of different tropes that are just buried in just that aren't true. There's the whole idea, for instance, of the starving artist, of the fact that people look down on artists these days, it seems, because we're so abundant, because everybody's a photographer now. And then you look back and you think that, oh, well, this is just always the case, when it really wasn't. There's research that was done regarding Michelangelo, for instance, who everybody thought that he didn't really make money until after he had passed away. But the truth of the matter is quite different than that. The truth is that he was essentially a millionaire in his time, a very wealthy artist. And not a lot of people know about this. So when they think of being an artist, they don't necessarily think of it as a viable career path, which yes, it is very difficult to make it as a career. But at the end of the day, it's not impossible either. So I think that also that ties pretty well into the mental health side, because if you are constantly thinking that, oh, I'll never make it as an artist, so I'm just going to give it up or I'm just never going to be good enough. There's so many different ways that you can be looking at it in a negative light. You have to try and find a way to shift that and to say that you have something unique to bring to this world 
every single individual does. And through your art, you can really share that to a really big platform, especially with social media these days, that if you just get that one photograph that just really connects with a bunch of other people, your whole life could change. But you also have to understand that the reality is a little bit nuanced there, that it might not always happen. So there's there's a lot that plays into it that uh, could be detrimental, but could also be really beneficial. And you just have to really go into art as a whole, understanding that there are going to be limitations. But absolutely yeah that's an interesting fact about michelangelo Very yeah there was one that i definitely uh definitely took me by surprise but I definitely. yeah it's sometimes unfair to make assumptions about artists and a lot of people as you said they do have this idea of a starving artist and photography is one of those things that is looked down on sometimes but it's definitely possible to make a living off of it and yeah, you just have to love it first and foremost, of course, and make lots of wise decisions along the way that will hopefully lead you to success. And yeah, negative self-talk is something that a lot of people can relate to, I'm sure, even outside of photography in your own personal life. <laughs> There's a lot of negative self-talk. Yeah, yeah, there is. Absolutely, yeah. So when you're doing something for yourself and maybe you're not necessarily making money or it's as much money as you'd like to, of course, then the, the negative voice in your head amplifies and and becomes a bit of an issue so it's really important to be your own cheerleader especially when you're going through a hard time and I think that you've done a very good job of that as you mentioned earlier you quit social media is it fair to assume that you did that also to take care of your mental health yes it definitely is I was uh I just found myself as they call it doom scrolling a lot where I would spend hours looking at other photographers' work and constantly wondering why my work wasn't as good as theirs, when in reality, it doesn't matter whether it was I perceive it as being as good. I was just looking at the amount of attention that it was getting and the lack of attention that mine was getting, and it just became a very negative way of spending my time. So I decided to just get rid of it. I quit social media a few months ago. So I quit Instagram a couple of months ago and then I'm not on Facebook anymore. I'm not even on YouTube. And that's been quite an interesting change, but obviously to each their own. Some people have businesses on social media, so it's a bit more tricky to manage that. But I think for anyone who does have the chance to take a break from social media, I highly recommend it personally. What about you? Do you recommend it? Oh, absolutely. I definitely think that it is a... You can be a much more productive individual when you don't have social media at your fingertips where you don't have that constant distraction. I mean, I'm still on YouTube and I'm still on Discord channels, so I have some kind of social aspect to my digital life, but it's not to the same degree in terms of potential addiction as say uh, TikTok or Instagram or Facebook even can potentially be. So I think it's a matter of finding where your limitations are. If you find that you are spending six hours a day scrolling through Instagram 
because you have nothing else or you don't think that you have anything better to do or you just lose track of time, maybe try and limit that and see what else you can go out and you can create, especially as photographers, as artists, as people in general. There's so much more that we could be doing when we get rid of some distractions, even for a couple hours. Exactly. I completely agree. And if you don't want to completely disappear off the face of the internet, then you can just join a different platform, like you know, any photography platform out there, Flickr, 500px. I think those are very good alternatives to Instagram, although perhaps not as popular uh, or not as massive. There are still great outlets for anybody who wants to connect with photographers. This is not sponsored, by the way, just bringing you up. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a platform for nature photographers that, full disclosure, I am the editor for the articles for them. And I do work with uh, the owners of the platform. But if you are looking for a platform of nature photographers, I cannot recommend any higher nature photographers network you will get solid critique if you want it for your work along with just a community of like-minded individuals who really are there to help you and to help each other and to provide information and it is something that you will not find really anywhere else i don't think so i will i definitely uh believe that if you are of that genre of photography to check it out yeah it sounds really good it's always good to join a community where you are not going to be tempted to doom scroll but instead yes. you'll be tempted to send feedback to another photographer or to ask for feedback that's always a very healthy environment um, that we have at photographycourse.net so it's yeah if you find your own community online or offline then that's the perfect environment to be in as a photographer and just avoid doom scrolling basically yeah definitely avoid it if you can so as a very skilled black and white photographer what advice would you give to photographers who want to make their black and white images stand out more the biggest thing with black and white that i think a lot of people miss is it really should be a conscience decision when you go out into the field. It shouldn't necessarily be an afterthought. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people will take a photograph while they're out. They'll come back, they'll load it up on the computer and they'll say, oh, it's not that great. Let's try black and white. And so they use black and white as a way to turn a bad photograph into an okay photograph. Which is, in my mind, a really poor excuse. So the other thing that a lot of people miss, though, too, is when they go out to photograph in black and white, you need to be focused on tonal separations a lot more than you do with in color. And these tonal separations are much more difficult to notice at times. Unless you are in the woods and you get graced by fog, which at least for in Pennsylvania where I am, it's a very, uh, it doesn't occur very often. And so you need to find different ways of getting that kind of separation. Which is why just taking a color photograph that was mediocre 
and turning into black and white, it may look okay, but it's not going to be near as good as it could have been had you worked with that same scene, knowing that you were going to be photographing in monochrome. So I think the biggest advice that I could ever have was to look for that kind of separation, the different levels of contrast, the different uh, textural separation as well. There's a lot that goes into it, and really, it's a matter of having the patience and working with it in a dedicated manner versus having black and white just be an afterthought, because your black and white images as an afterthought will never be as good as they could be if they were, if you took that time and dedication to it. That's really good advice. And yeah, I've noticed in black and white photographs that stood out to me personally, there's contrast depth and texture and there's a story that's told and it's clear that the person thought a lot about the composition and the way that the image the final image would look before they even took the photo so you're right about that but i still felt personally attacked when you said that it's a poor excuse because i often think of black and white as an afterthought so <laughs> i feel a bit guilty now <laughs> it, it's something that everybody does that it just it always just is that little annoyance that i see on youtube especially that when everybody goes and they're like oh well let's try it in black and white now I'm like no you took it in color so if it doesn't work in color it's probably not going to work as well in black and white it's just the reality to it and it's not going to be as good in black and white as it could be had you really thought about it i mean don't get me wrong there are plenty of people who photograph in color and convert it to black and white as an afterthought and still come away with really solid black and white photographs but there's ways of telling that you can know that it could have been better and it, it's always seems a shame to me at least so you can tell if someone actually thought about taking black and white photos before the shoot uh, versus somebody just converting to black and white as an afterthought at times you can I don't want to go so far as saying that I'm amazing at looking at photographs and seeing people's intent. But like I was saying, the biggest thing is the lack of separation that you see. And just the certain scenes that I would never even touch as a black and white photographer. But some people might convert them to black and white because the color didn't work out and they think it's okay. So... To a very minimal degree, there are times that you can, that you could probably tell that it wasn't uh, intended as a black and white piece. That's incredibly interesting. And it shows your skill as a black and white photographer because you have this experience and you have this talent for pre-visualizing things and using filters and whatnot. You can tell, even if it's on a minimal level. And that's not something that I could do, for example. I don't specialize in black and white photography so for me i wouldn't even be able to tell i, I could just say this is a good black and white photo this is okay <laughs> so i think that comes with the territory yeah it comes with the territory and a lot of experience a lot of time and dedication is really what it all comes down to absolutely i have one more question for you and that is what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world I think the biggest thing that I would like out of 
photography out of my life in general is to just have the means to live a very simple life that is filled with nature and with art. I think it is very important for me to continue spending a lot of time in nature and just continue thinking about the philosophical and creative sides of photography that aren't necessarily touched upon near as often as what, uh, what they should be, in my opinion. Um, so just to live a simple life where I get to spend most of my time in nature is really all that I'd like to achieve. That's a beautiful answer. And I think we can all learn a lot from you because uh, life nowadays is so busy for many of us. And especially if you're active on social media, then your mind is all over the place. So it can be difficult to figure out what your goals are uh, and to find a style that works for you and to be confident in that style. And it seems like you've achieved all of those things. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with me and the listeners. I really enjoyed finding out more about you and your work. And I wish you the very best with your journey. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with Cody Schultz. I love his perspective on black and white photography, and I like that he has such an unconventional approach to photography with his film equipment. I definitely want to try using a large format camera one day. What about you? I hope you have a great week full of inspiration, and if you want, then definitely experiment with black and white photography. It might help you look at the world from a different perspective. If you want to join the conversation or ask Cody some questions about this episode, make sure to join our free online community. It's full of very passionate photographers who are always willing to help and to inspire. See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.